Go. My friends, we are interested in things from the future because that's where we all live, in the future. Future events such as these will happen to us all in the future. Yes, those future events are us talking about Ed Wood's seminal piece of work. Plan 9 from Outer Space, tonight on Cinema de Fromage. It is safe to state that the grandchildren of some of the people in this theater will not be born on Earth. They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from Outer Space. Starring the most frightmarish cast ever, Bella Lugosi, the seductive vampira, and Thor Johnson as the Walking Dead. Turn off your electrode gun! No! No! Stop me, Dad! I can't get it! Stop him, you fool! Bullets bounce off their bodies. Rockets, missiles, jets cannot stop their death ship. What earthly power can stop this terror? For a glimpse of things to come, see this blast of screen suspense. For it could be happening right now. <laughs> Welcome, folks. Welcome to Cinema de Fromage. And the reason I love bad movies is the movie we are watching tonight, which is Plan 9 from Outer Space, Ed Wood's greatest failure and success because it made him infamous. I mean, this is the movie that created the, um, infamous with the Golden Turkey Awards, uh, a book that came out by the uh, Medved brothers and got me interested in bad movies uh, and cheesy movies. And so I've got a very soft, gooey, nasty, part of my heart that loves this film so whatever i rate it is is not worth uh, you know spit but anyways welcome and let's talk fellow hosts and see how they enjoyed this film i know they did i, I know in their heart of hearts they love this film starting off with kente how are we today kente i'm doing good i'm so happy to be here and uh looking forward to talking about this film uh i I won't give you the tenor of my uh, the way that I feel about it just yet. Uh, I'll let everything play out, but uh, I'm glad to be here and looking forward to this and looking forward to the big finale for this season. Yes, we are on our last film for this season. So will it be one of the contenders for the our best film for this uh, this season? We'll find out. And one of the people who is going to help us find out is Jen. So how are we? today jen um still sweltering in the heat but uh doing pretty good actually and uh i am gonna go uh in my diagonal direction down toward kinte and say mm, i'll reserve giving an <laughs> opening shot on the movie until we've had a chance to 
dissect and, you know, really let this gel because uh, I have a couple opinions. Fair enough. Well, you know, hey, I have had my opinions in the past that have contradicted other people, so I am expecting nothing but the same against <laughs> me. Joshua is also here. Oh, I'm going yeah. The wrong way. The great Joshua, there great. you are. Down there. <laughs> How are we today? Am I, am I like, uh, if this were Gilligan's Island, I'd be and the rest? No, not at all. Not at all. You are the professor and Marianne. No, maybe the millionaire and his wife. Ooh. You're one of the two groups that, you know, is important and integral. I mean, the professor was integral to that place. He got a radio working the entire time they're on that island, even into the movie sequels. Made out of coconut. And, uh, you know, I've always had a farm girl charm about me, too. So, <laughs> but yes, I'm um, here. I'm ready to talk about uh, what what did we watch? Uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space, I believe, is the film. That's it. That's what I'm ready to talk about. <laughs> okay. So, who wants the pleasure of describing the plot of the film? I'll do it. So go go for it. Just off the top of my head, huh? If okay. you want to, or do you want to have the, the pre-made script that sometimes pops up when you want these things? So I think off your top of your head would probably be better because it, it <laughs> I think this is the kind of film that there's no such thing as a script for this film. <laughs> That's probably this, uh, true. There is, there is, because there is dialogue, but as far as a plot, we can't have a written kind of off bring it off the top of your head. Okay. Let's see if I can uh, sum this up. <clears throat> Aliens, zombies, people are stupid. That's pretty much it. Okay, you know, that almost works for me. We'll add in a bit of military cover-up of UFOs. Oh, no, conspiracy. Dang, now yes. I know I forgot something. Yes. If <laughs> only a course. test. You know, there was <laughs> a plot. Get clouds. There, was, <laughs> there was a plot to Plan 9 from Outer Space, but... There okay. were so many plot holes that it just fell right through them. They <laughs> needed the plot holes because where else are you going to put the bodies? <laughs> In the spaceship. The bodies, yeah. you got to fly those spaceships through something besides stock footage. It, it's been mm -hmm. really true. <laughs> so this film here was uh, done by director Ed Wood, uh, famous for his other great film, uh, Glenn or Glenda, um, which just... Uh, a study of transvestitism, which apparently is sort of semi-autobiographical about uh, the man who had parachuted into, uh, in World War II into the enemy territory wearing uh, pink satin undies and was hoping, uh, was, you know, terrified of being captured just because of that. He'd rather have died than be captured and found to be wearing women's clothing. Anyways, but besides the point, I mean, he was ahead of the curve uh, and that's okay. Nowadays, he would not be uh, regarded as some sort of weird deviant as he was at the time. But what he was, was a man who had a vision and knew he wanted to write about things and topics of today, or at least 1950s today, that needed to be said. And he used the allegory of alien invasion to do so, and also used church money to fund it. Uh, as I was saying before the show, uh, and went and took uh, 
uh, went to a church and said, look, I'm going to make a commercial viable film because science fiction horror sells. And with the money that you invest for me to make this film, I'll take all of the profits and we'll make a bunch of Bible movies that you wanted to make. Of course, the film didn't turn out as well as he thought it was. And uh, in the end, the church lost all the money they invested. But as a result, we have this great film. Um, Kente, what are your impressions of Plan 9 from Outer Space? Well, this is the second time that I watched it um, in my lifetime. And I watched it before the movie Ed Wood came out. And that was really the first time I really watched it. And then I watched it again. So I have the same, you know, it's like you can enjoy its badness um, because of you know, it, it, you know he he basically didn't have enough resources or know how, and he or tried, talent or talent, and he tried to to make something way over his head, and he yeah. threw everything up at the wall, um, and you know you can laugh at it for that, but then also you're sitting there watching it and you're just like. You know, I mean, there's parts where long stretches where it's it gets boring. It's like really boring and slow, even for that kind of a film. Um, but you know, it has Billy Lugosi, Bella Lugosi in it, so that you gotta, yes. you gotta give it that. <laughs> we are going to talk about Bella Lugosi's amazing uh, performance in this film, which, technically speaking, he wasn't acting for this film. He just happened to have some footage, his last footage ever done of him, inserted into this film to sell it as a Belagosi film, as you saw in the previews. Uh, Josh, your opinions. My opinions. Um, what can I say? This movie, um, it had people in it acting. And... <laughs> You sure they were acting? They were saying lines. I assume they were acting. Um, and there was a camera on set to capture that. I remember seeing, is this the first time maybe that we heard the phrase, the walking dead? Right. Oh. <gasps> wow, that would be something, eh? Do you think the makes the walking dead actually got that term from plan nine could be could wow, be that would be amazing so my my overall impressions are this movie could be one of the most unintentional yet profoundly influencing movies <laughs> of all time <laughs> and uh, i'm glad i watched it because i'd never seen it before Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Now, did you see Ed Wood before you saw this movie? No, I didn't. Good, because I always think Ed Wood kind of taints your um, your viewing of this film because it sort of tells a story that uh, takes a few liberties with, this, with the actual story of the making of the film and takes a few liberties with some of the scenes. And to be honest, you have to first, I think, to get a, a pure uh, feeling of what it is to watch Plan 9. Now, I'm sure Jen is going to have a dissenting vote on her thoughts on this, but I could be wrong. Go ahead, Jen. Okay. What do you think? So 
just just to give you some context, um, I watched this with a couple people, and they thought that I was playing a practical joke on them. <laughs> they thought I said, "You guys want to come over and watch a movie?" And I turned this on, and they said, "No, really, are we going to watch a movie?" <laughs> <laughs> like, legit. Um, but 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 aside from that, by the time that the movie was sort of like in the middle, and those people hadn't seen it before, I actually have seen this before. This is one of those movies that's like on your. This is the best of the worst movies of all time. I mean, everybody who's anybody knows Plan Nine from Outer Space, right? Um, and this time around, some of the things that I noticed were, uh, you know, I probably could have saved them a lot of money if I had been around in the day to do their set design <laughs> because I would have chosen better curtains. I mean, there are so many. Well, they got the use. Had a lot of use out of those curtains. No kidding, right? I did, <laughs> oof, wow, that was really crazy intense. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the, the other thing that I noticed this time around was how much like the Munsters this movie really was. If you've ever seen uh, the Munsters, oh, yeah. the, the people in it are so, uh, we were pulling out specific instances of who was grandpa and who was uh, Lily and who was Eddie. And, you know, they all fit into one or other of those archetypes. It was just hilarious. So, I mean, I, you know, it, it's really easy to sort of like go into this movie and say, I hate it. And I, to a, a great degree, it just isn't something that I actually enjoy watching because it really is just awful. But it is, but it's one of those, it's like, it's a required viewing for anybody who likes film to understand what a really bad movie is. You know, here's the thing I find. Now, uh, I'm sure he's going to disagree because he's already said he found parts of it boring. But a really bad film is one that is almost unwatchable. It's either very bad, very boring, dull, and you hate it, but hate, hate it. Now, I've disliked a few of the films we've, we've done. And I'm sure every one of us found a film that we disliked. There's only one I think we all probably hated and thought was, you know, we couldn't ever watch that again. I think that was uh, Casino Royale. <laughs> and because um, I, I don't think there's any, was there anybody who actually thought that was worth watching at all? I think that was the lowest scored film of all time. So I don't, I, I think I'm right to say that. But it, it, I think Plan 9 has one thing going for it is that it is, yeah, it's, Terrible. The writing is bad. The acting is terrible. The sets are garbage. Um, the shooting is just pedestrian. Uh, overuse of uh, you know stock footage to cover up a lot of the space. But there's something weirdly entertaining about it. It's sort of like, hey, let's put on a show and we're going to make a movie, guys. We have no idea what we're doing, but we're going to make one. Let's get a graveyard put together with some cardboard crosses and everything. Let's make a mausoleum that you know, is smaller than the people having to crawl in and out of it. And, you know, and and then we'll have the dialogue just explain away all these little inconsistencies and weird stuff. And it's like, you know, this is what I love about it. It's sort of like a person who has very little true talent, but is so unaware that they have it. All they have is the drive to succeed in something. They just say, they're the kind of people who are like, if I just wanted enough, 
it'll be enough. I don't need anything else. I just have to want to be a director and writer, and and I will be, you know, the next. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was going to say Citizen Kane, um, Orson Welles. And, and I think in his heart of hearts, he thought, you know, I just want it more than anybody else, so I should have it. And unfortunately, he didn't have any of the talent or any of the backing talent to make his visions work. And he had an ambitious, ambitious vision. I mean, his idea is like, you know, look, okay, uh, aliens are trying to say, to, to, you know, stop Earthlings from creating this, you know, weapon that they're coming close to coming to create, and they're going to use the dead to, you know, frighten people because they're not listening, and there's a message in there and everything. But it's just so badly done that it's it's entertaining. Um, and the use of like Vampirella and Chriswell, which were two, um, not Vampirella, sorry, Vampira and Chriswell, which were two, you know, local TV towns at the time. Chriswell was this guy who predicted would break out in the U.S. in the 1980s. He was a psychic who just, you know, you saw how he is in the film, right? This stoic kind of, I'm telling you that this will happen in the future. And he'd say things like, you know, there'd be an outbreak of cannibalism in 1980 across the U.S. and all these weird, weird, over-the-top predictions. But he was just so earnest in saying it that, you know, he, people watched him doing it. Vampire has hosts out there and she had to think she didn't want to have a speaking role in the film so they made her the, the ghoul woman um, Lugosi's wife poor Bella Lugosi's in this film for like these two reels they have and then they replace him with the uh, with Ed Wood's wife's chiropractor because from here up he looked like Lugosi they thought so he spent the movie like this until they realized we can't do that anymore so they killed him uh, Tor Johnson uh a wrestler, Swedish wrestler who could barely speak English well, uh, was made to be the head detective, and they realized, yeah, you can't understand the line of the dialogue. He's saying, okay, let's kill him and turn him into a zombie. Instead. We don't have to worry about that. And it was this kind of on-the-fly weird stuff that he did. Um, weird explanations. So it was like, why was she buried in the ground and him in the mausoleum? Uh, family tradition. It's like, <laughs> the director thought, I have to explain this because the audience needs to know why we have a Muslim and he was buried in the ground. This is an important thing to talk about. I was like, really? Mm -hmm. And the dialogue, the dialogue. I love the dialogue in this film. Uh, one of my favorite bits is uh, the detective, you know, coming out, scratching his head with his gun, going, you know, Inspector Clay is dead, murdered, and somebody is responsible. <laughs> what? That's all he knows. This, you know, that's how he decides. This, you know, a crime is committed, and it's like, oh, I just love the dialogue in this film. I do. The saucers are in there. The graveyard's over there. But I'll be safe in there. So you go up there to your wild blue yonder. I mean, that's the line of dialogue that an actor had to say. You know, it's like I want to take this film. I my my dream is to take the script as it is and then put the biggest production value you can and the biggest actors and see if you could make it work. I think that would be the ultimate movie. I would love to see this movie done that way. I would love to see this movie done with the biggest special effects budget, with the biggest, best actors, but keep the script and go from there. I think it would be the greatest comedy ever made. I think uh, that's something like I could see like George Clooney. Uh, yeah, as a pilot. 
and they'd have them in a real cockpit this time, as opposed to sitting on a on a deck chair with a curtain behind him and some sort of wooden thing that he doesn't even touch, which is supposed to be the steering wheel. I mean, I love these these little things. Like they, the pilots are standing there the whole time, and they're having these weird conversations. That just the dialogue in this film is just so weird. It's so bizarre, and I love it. And I, I sorry, I'm gushing, but you guys can to go on and say. I, I sincerely hope uh, that you gave this movie all tens because I'm not going to give it all tens, but be, well, I do love this. Movie. I think you should amend your scores right now because uh, if any of the other three panelists here today are any indication, um, it just may end up uh, usurping Casino Royale. <laughs> oh, I cannot believe you're going to say that because this film has cheese all over. Awesome. It's not a great film, but it is a cheesy, entertaining film. Acting okay, is great, terrible. Yeah. I'm not acting. The dialogue is terrible. The set design is terrible. The sound design is crap. It is so entertaining. It is so much fun to watch. I, I mean, okay, look at the, the leader, the great leader, and the, the, the performance he gives, where he's rolling his eyes all the time. Bring him over here. Oh, and he's like, he's. I want to be an actor. And so he's figuring this is how he's going to be an actor. And he's like rolling his eyes to the side as he's talking. And it's like, I, mean, I just watch his performance. I go, oh. especially when he grabs his own script and starts reading it. Oh, plan nine, reaches down, grabs his script and starts reading it as he's, it's like, it's great. It's like, you know, and, and the director said, yeah, that's the take I want. Let's do it. And I was like, oh, how could you not love this film? Uh, yeah. How dare you guys not? Love this <laughs> All right, I'm. Hey, I'm just playing it up because I do. I do love this film because it is. Like, it's not a great. I've admit it. It's not a good film. But the cinema de fromage. This is not about great films. This is about you know, cheesy films. It, okay, so 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 let's dissect that a little bit, right? Because I I think, I think that actually bears a little bit of uh, exploration. So one of the interesting things to me, and especially when I get friends together to watch uh, our shows, because it's so funny how different and varied those reactions can be. The, mm -hmm. the thing that I notice uh, that, that seems to make some cheesy movies stand out other than other cheesy movies is what I call the mystery science theater effect. It is the ability for the audience to participate with snappy one-liners, with you know, mm -hmm. kind of colorful interjections, and there are legitimately movies that really do that. They just bring out the inner snark in everyone, and that's when I know that the movie has hit a chord. That's when I know that even if people think that the movie is cheesy, it resonates and there's something to be said about it. But I, I, and and I, and I do understand why this movie gets you know the worst best movie of all time but it but there is something about the affect here which perhaps because it is a, a little bit different in presentation than some of the other ones that we've even seen and because maybe it's from a different era mm -hmm. people didn't respond to they just didn't it wasn't that they didn't find you know the 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 ridiculousness of it hilarious because it really is hilarious mm -hmm. yeah it is absolutely it, it was it was that it had nothing to resonate with and again you know my my guess is that like you said if this movie had been redone and it was just as ridiculous 
we would actually all be sitting around uh, singing a different tune right now. But I think also, and this is one of the things that makes it so cheesy, right? It's set or it was shot at a time when we really didn't have a very good mastery over any kind of special effects. And so anything mm -hmm. that we tried to do comes off looking super cheap and ridiculous and it's almost on purpose, but it but it doesn't play quite that way, right? It well, was no okay. time what the history of it was, but at the same time, when we're seeing it in retrospect, it just looks like, oh God, they didn't even try. Now, hold on. I'll say, at the same time this film was out with the hubcaps on strings, you had um, <laughs> Earth versus the Flying Saucers with Harryhausen, uh, Ray Harryhausen doing the effects for that. You had um, the day the Earth stood still and their effects with that. I mean, they're still not spectacular effects, but they, you know, they were a lot more polished and, and definitely didn't look like hubcaps hanging on a string that you right. could see every so often. Not hanging over like, here, we're going to show you ABC, CBS, and NBC stock footage with this hanging over it. <laughs> but these are the things this film has. It's like, he's got little messages in this film. You look at it, he's like, why was he showing the three big networks? Why was he showing the drunk having to put his stuff away when the UFOs came? Why are the why is the army trying to cover up everything? And the conspiracy. I mean, this is the birth of conspiracy movement here. Everything. This is the movie that starts it all. Think about it. The government's trying to say a thing. Tied me up. I can't say a thing. It's like I know what I saw. I can't do anything. The grass has got me. It's like oh, okay. And even the you know when. We're saying the message on the, from the dictal roboter, which you may call the language computer. I'm like, wait a minute. If this is a language computer that translates, wouldn't it translate dictal roboter into language computer? Because we don't have a name dictal roboter. I don't know. But, you know, and the, the condescending attitude of the aliens I love in this film. You know, he's going, blah, blah, blah. You have to be warned. Why are you, you know, you don't believe that we're here. Why are you people so stupid? It's like and several times he sits there and says outright, "You people of Earth are idiots with stupid minds, stupid, stupid." And his reaction, and this is where I'm saying, Chris, there is actually some thought in his script. What's the reaction to when he says that? The guy takes out his butt of his gun and knocks him out. It's like, right, dude's right. And then what's he say? You know, if you create this solomonite, you know, the, the what they're worried about is the bomb is going to be created that will ignite the actual light, uh, you know, instead of the, just atoms, it's going to ignite light and destroy everything everywhere. And what's what's one of the guys say? So what if we do? Then we'll be a stronger nation. It's like, oh my God, he's saying something about us. He's saying that, you know what? We're not prepared to take on this technology that we're given. And he's actually got some serious things to talk about. He just doesn't know how to say it right. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that, uh, especially me gets accused of a lot rightfully so don't get me wrong mm -hmm. is that i read so much into mm -hmm. everything right i mean right i can watch an episode of the mayans without seeing some, <laughs> some extended metaphor in it ask him thing and 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 to some degree either it's just there because i imagined it and it was convenient to my brain to make that association or eventually we find out, hey, yeah, maybe there really was something to that. But in this movie, I I just couldn't, 
I couldn't even. You I, couldn't I, look I, past it. It's there. I, it's I'm hard. You. You know, that's what I was going to say, though. It. I know that it's there, and yet it is so hard to get past the. I uh, personally, oh, personally, I think this movie. It, the the reason that it gets the cult status that it does is because it's so awesome at being so awful. But it's <laughs> not, but it isn't the kind of awful that begs you to sort of take a deeper look. It's the kind of awful that's like, you know what? Everybody should see this cult classic one time because it just is such a standard. But it but it didn't to me. It it just didn't have the. I didn't want to look into it. It Fair just enough. didn't. It didn't make me feel engaged in it. And I, you know, I I know that that again. You know, I was saying this before. Uh, when I went to film school, right? Some we were shown so many movies. Oh my gosh! Like one of the homework assignments that we had for one week was to watch fifty movies. And by the time you're at fifty, they just all blur together. And some movies stand out in your mind as being better than others, not because the movie itself is so great. And this one obviously, you know, has its moments, but because there's something in it that sort of captures your attention. And I was wondering from your perspective, what is it that captured your attention about this movie? For me? Yeah. It's, you know what? In the end, it's the earnestness of the filmmaker. I think Ed Wood seriously thought he was making a great film or a very good film with what he had, you know, at his means. Like he knew he was limited by his budget. He knew he had to cut corners here and there. But he thought he did the best film that he could. And in a way, this is his Citizen Kane. I mean, he did Bride of the Monster before, which has some really interesting moments. And he's, you know, Glenn or Glenda, which is his sort of, you know, auto biographical film in a way but this is the film where he said you know i've got this vision i'm going to go stretch out there and create this film and it's my vision my words getting the the people that have gotten together all the talent that he had around him um hmm. talent sorry and there's nothing jaded about this film there's nothing uh pretentious there's nothing like, he was out to make the best film he could and this is what came up. And it, it falls really short of a great film. But it's a little there's no there's there's nothing insincere about it. There's nothing insincere about it. There's no you don't have the feeling that you know some corporate person put their hands in it or some producer came along or somebody said, Oh, we've got to do this and this because of this. It's like he made the film he wanted to make with whatever he could get his hands on at the time. And I love it for that. And it's it's bad, the dialogue is goofy. Um, the sets are terrible. The acting is uh, not good at all. But everybody there was trying to do the best that they could with what they had. And there's something I love about that. I love about the sincerity. I mean, we see films that are, you know, nowadays you've got films that are put like, okay, for example, uh, the latest Lion King. There's nothing in that. That's uh, you got a thousand people in a CGI lab creating this, the look of the film, which looks, you know, it looks great, as realistic as they can with CGI. Um, they took an old story that they did and they tried to do it beat for beat. Uh, they got a couple of big name actors to do voicing because that will bring people in and there's nothing to it. It's a hollow, empty feeling that you get from that film. It's nothing. Whereas this, as bad as it is, you know that everybody that was involved in it was trying to do the best they could. 
And even though it's a spectacular failure, it's entertainingly bad. And I, that's why I love this film because it's sincere and awful, but goofy and, 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 and weird. I mean, it's, it's a weird film. I mean, to start off with Chriswell doing that whole, you know, in the future thing, future events like these will happen to us all in the future. And that's where we want to live. And the dialogue is meaningless and weird. And, and people go on these weird tangents. And they talk like no human being ever has ever talked to each other. And yet the actors are still trying to do their best with that dialogue to put it out. I mean, you look at Eros, the uh, the lead uh, alien, and he's he's belting out all of his lines and being as big as he can and doing the best he can with his limited talent, with a limited script. And, you know, and everyone's trying. And I love that about this film. I really do. It, it, there's nothing half-hearted about it. I mean, yeah, the effort comes off slipshod in the end because of budgetary and everything else, but there's nothing half-hearted in the efforts everyone's putting into it. And I kind of like that. And I, I miss that kind of thing in films because it's not there anymore and it won't ever be back again. Uh, That's my thoughts on it. Sorry. I'm kind of overanalyzing this film because it's, it's a shitty film, but it's a lot. I, I love this film. Not necessarily a bad uh, thing that it's not, this <laughs> movies like that don't exist anymore. No, no, but I'm saying, Kind of the, the actual integrity and and effort. I mean, the, the belief in putting something together. Nowadays, it's it's soulless. At least there's a soul to this film. As twisted and warped as the film is, there's a soul to it. The, people the, the, who the, wanted the, to make a film and wanted to do something and make the, something the, the, and you know what the thing is, and, and again, you know, just to reiterate what I was saying before about why I'm so, sort of excited about what we're going to do for next season. The naivete that existed once in movie making is not only no longer a thing, but it's not possible anymore. I mean, we just had on the spotlight an independent filmmaker who uh, you, they were probably smarter collectively as a group than, and I don't mean smarter intellectually smarter, I mean smarter about movie making. More than, savvy, yeah. Then right, and and it's it, there is such a it's such a different atmosphere right now that movies like Plan Nine from Outer Space just can't exist anymore. No, just no, it's true. just not a possibility. It's true. Well, but hold on, you have Pandemic and you have The Room, and those are both films that are the same light. They're done by directors who have no right in directing. Somehow got the money together to put together their vision. And they're awful films, but they're entertaining too. I mean, if we were to be able to do after 2000, I would put those two films on there to watch because, as bad as they are, at least once again, they have the same thing I'm talking about. Tommy Wiseau's a, a mental case and his, his film is awful, but he he believed in what he was doing. Um, and Birdemic is this weird talk about climate change that is, you know, a ripoff of the birds, yet. You know, this is this guy's vision. And only when he, you know, found out he got fame for being a bad filmmaker, he tried to rehash that. And the second Birdemic 2 is just awful in, in every way possible. It's not even entertaining because he tried to cash in on what made the first film, you know, catch on with a bunch of people. So there are still people out there who are deluded and will make films. In fact, it's easier for them to do so with the, you know, with digital technology. Um, to make films that you know still will look like crap and everything won't be the best polish, but you know there's hope for those people out there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, let's face it: it's, the film started off at first with a bunch of companies putting together quick things to make stuff, 
uh, then you had the studio system come in, and that was jaded too. Uh, it's the independents, the weirdos, the bizarre people that come in every so often to put together a film that you know is not the norm. That uh, you know, those are the things you want to look forward to, and even if they make something that's bad, sometimes it's worth it. Anyways, that's my that's my yeah, Sharknado. No, Sharknado is a is a jaded kind of hey, let's make a bad film on purpose. So I won't take that. No, I won't. I won't do trauma or Sharknado into that group. All right. So Josh, uh, what is your take on the character uh, Walking Dead? We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Say what? What's your take on the character Walking Dead? The character Walking Dead? Is that what you said? I mean, Thor Johnson as Inspector Clay? I'm talking about the, the big ball head dude. Yeah, Thor Johnson as Inspector Clay. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I love this. <clears throat> a, a brilliant character written masterfully by one of the great craftsmen of all time, almost Shakespearean in effort, and just exuding nobility and honor is not even close to what I would say if I was being serious. Uh, what? How did I feel about a character from Plan 9 from Outer Space? Are you supposed to feel anything? Are you supposed to... I've, I, is this a trick question? Are you trying to make me look like an idiot? Because there's there's no reason to feel anything about this guy other than, oh, there he is. Uh, oh, and that's okay. the thing that's happening. Okay, Josh, if you could be one character from Plan 9 from Outer Space, who would it be? Um, it would be Lieutenant Harper. Oh, good choice. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Just, I mean, he looked cool, I guess. Big bald guy, you know, might kind of relate. But uh, yeah, if I had to be anybody, it would be Lieutenant Harper. Can I can I dial uh, dial it back a second to something yeah, you said, King? Um, you, you were mentioning earlier about uh, what was it called? About the language machine? Oh, the digital roboter. Yes, and you were wondering why that wasn't translated. Yes. Well, it's um, it's because it's a brand name. Oh. Where they're from. Thousand. Um, you, you, you know, you might realize when when someone's speaking uh, a different language, you know, they'll just rattle off, you know, speaking their language, and then suddenly hear da 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 da, -da McDonald's or da 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 da, -da, -da Office Depot. That's it's basically the same thing. The uh, the, the proper sense. names, the brands always come out as uh their actual See, uh, I knew there was a reason for it. I just couldn't figure it out myself, but thank you. Now I know. Now, like now I said it's I a thinking thinking man's I've movie. Pin, I've pin in that one now I'm good. But the question is now, why would Vampira marry to such an old dude? The old man. Okay, uh, your uh, view of Bela Lugosi's uh, 
performance of this film. I think Bella Lugosi's uh, last performance, uh, he went out with a bang. <laughs> well, you didn't see it, though. The film just froze, oh, and you just heard a screech. The poor guy looked heartbroken, uh, didn't he? Oh, poor Bella Lugosi. Uh, uh, no, I mean, look, anytime to, when you have a legend such as himself in, in a movie, it's a good thing. Um, but you know, it was it was cool to see him in the film, you know, because he's such a legend. But I don't know if this is good for his legacy. I guess it is kind of good for his legacy. Well, you know, put, uh, put it this way: the rest of Hollywood had just thrown him uh, away. It's like, okay, yeah, Bella Lugosi, you were a husband, you were a star in the '30s, and now you're nothing. And they left him. And all he, had, you know, he's an actor who wants to perform. And right. this is the only person who came to him and said, you know what? I love your work. I love your stuff. Can you, you know, make my movies happen? I want you to be my star. And he made Bela Lugosi feel like, you know, important again, which is kind of nice in a way. You know, he helped him also kick his uh, morphine addiction near the end. It was a little too, too little too late. But, I mean, you know, he came in there and he was like, you know, he was he gave him a family when the guy was on his own and cast out. I mean, you think of how many has-beens in Hollywood there are, and I mean, I could call them has-beens, it's even worse. It's like, oh, you're no longer box office to us, so thanks, but no thanks, you're gone. Well, he may have helped uh, Bella Lugosi kick his morphine addiction, but he helped me get mine started. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, I am going to be picking uh, Glenn or Glenda, you know, for the next one. Oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus. <laughs> He's had a robot monster. So so let's talk about the resolution to this film. Yes. And uh, <laughs> uh and uh you know were you guys content with the resolution? Do you think they could have beefed it up and made it more uh you know uh believable? Uh what do you mean what believable? What was unbelievable about that end ending? That was perfectly logical in every way. It was. The American government basically said, you're not going to tell us what to do, and we killed them. The end. Uh, I think that's been this entire story of the 20th and the early 21st century, isn't it? That's true. Um, well, you know, we always got to talk about the how, how the movie, how it, uh, it ended, but no, I mean, look, the movie has a lot of fun to it. Uh, you can have fun with it. Um, is it one of the great movies of all time? Is God it? Um, is it? Uh, um, Doctor Strangelove. No. Is it? Uh, you know, The Godfather Two. Godfather Three. Is it, and Godfather Three, is, though. Is it even Revenge of the Nerds Two? Uh, <laughs> it's better than that. That was a terrible yeah. film too. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was what Nerds in Paradise. That was pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if it's. I, well, I there's your hey, hey, Kente, There's that could be your '80s choice. Think about it. <laughs> no, I got my list already, so I already know what I'm gonna do. And that wasn't. They didn't make the cut. Okay. Unfortunately. But um, no, 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 no. This movie, you can't judge it based on, like I was saying last week, you can't judge this movie based on, you know. 
um, movies that are great, you know. Mm-hmm. But as far as you entertain while you're watching it, at times, yes. Were you was I bored at times? Yes. That's fair. But um, but the story behind it is even greater to me, and I, you know, well, I do I need to watch this movie again? No. <laughs> but that's no, fine. I think I, I don't think if I'm on my deathbed, that's going to be one of my regrets. But uh, you know what? I'm glad I saw it a second time. You there know, you go. I had fun. I had somewhat fun with it, uh, and uh, you know, I think if I. I made a girlfriend watch it with me. I probably would have lost her. But yeah. uh, <laughs> not, this is not a girlfriend flick. This is not an impress your friends flick. This is this is basically you grab some people who want to enjoy something that they know is going to be awful. That's the kind but of movie weird. That, uh, yeah. Um, if you watch it with somebody that you're going to be possibly in a relationship with. When the credits roll, you're either broken up or getting married. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You you have reached the breaking point either way. Yes. So if any lady out there wants to watch Plan Nine from Outer Space with me, uh, my oh, number that sounds is so me. desperate. I know, right? <laughs> oh, don't go that. You, my you my don't, five, five. don't 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 go that deep down the well. It's okay. D, D my number is five five five. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no. Oh, it, it's so. not eight six seven five three zero nine. That's what I heard. Uh, oh, no, wait. Dang, you just gave me that That's number. <laughs> That's my number. Oh, good. Um, okay, darn it. So I think. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, when it comes to the the resolution, and the whole, um. You're going to create a weapon that will destroy the universe thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure who the bigger dopes were. The the, the people <laughs> that were eventually going to build this weapon or the you know advanced aliens that were telling them exactly what it is and how it works and <laughs> saying, we're going to get there eventually. <laughs> and, you know, the general you know, is like taking notes like, uh-huh, go on. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, okay, put it this way. This is the way I see the aliens in this one. You're going to, hey, I know you got a gas stove in there. Remember, don't let the pilot light go out. And if you do, don't leave the gas running for too long, because if you light the match, your entire house will explode. Your entire house will explode. <laughs> because if it fills up with gas and you light the match, you will blow up your entire house. And it's like, oh, maybe I want to blow up my house and I'll be a stronger house because uh, I can build a better one or my neighbors will be afraid of me if they know I have this power. Uh, so uh, I think uh, the aliens I mean, said, these guys are going to eventually figure this out. So we've got to stop them now and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you can do this, but if you do, we're going to die. That logic seems slightly faulty, just on a couple of different levels. Well, I'll put I'll put on historical I'll put it on a historical note. At the time the hydrogen bomb was created, there were fears by a couple of scientists, not the ones working on it, obviously, who said there might be a possibility that the chain reaction of a hydrogen bomb might set the atmosphere on fire. And the guy said, Well, yeah, but you know what? 
there's a 75% to 85% chance it won't, so we're going to do it. When you think about it, it's like if you had a 25% chance of igniting your entire atmosphere and killing all life on the planet, do you take that chance? Those guys <laughs> did. And it's like, why did they do it? And these were talks that were going on at the time this film was being made. And I think this is like, as dumb as the movie is, I think this is one of the things he's thinking. I was like going, why are these people doing this when it could be potentially fatal for all of us? But we're doing it anyway. And because that's the thing. He says it to the, the army guys and everything. And their response is, so we'll be a stronger country then. And this is where I'm kind of going, you know what? Under all the dung that this film is, there is a little nugget of something good in there or an, or an idea of saying something important, but it's buried under a big pile of dog turd. So do you want to dig for it for that? Uh, no, but I had rubber gloves, so I was okay to find it. So it's okay. I can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, it, I'm glad we have there, you. There we go. I'm glad we have you for that. Uh, <laughs> I got the gloves. Yeah. Uh, and a beer, right? Is that a beer? That is my second one, yes. Any talk about alien bureaucracy? Mm hmm. Did they, they mention the bureaucracy? I can't remember that. I don't remember. It might have. Uh, you know. Um, it did have like eight other plans that failed. You're only gonna get one ship. Oh, I know yeah. Ships. True. It's like wow, alien red tape. It was. Yes. It was like I have to take two away. And it's, this is one of the things that Ed Wood has. Like, yeah, I can only do the special effects for one saucer now. Uh, let's write it in that they took the other two away. Yeah. And so they have the actor explain it. So it's instead of saying the audience, he's worried that the audience is going to sit there watching the film going, you know, there were three saucers in the beginning of this film, but now there's only one. Why is there only one saucer? No, don't worry. I got explained. Wait till the scene comes up where the imperious leader says, I'm taking two away. Yeah. Like, oh, good. Thanks. Oh, as an audience member, I'm so happy he did that because I was worried. It's like the mausoleum and the grave thing. I needed to know this because that would have bothered me. Yeah. None of this other weird shit that's going on in this film, which is out of you know bonkers, is going to make me go, "What the fuck is going on?" No, no, those were the things we had to worry about. All right. Um, oh, or like, oh yeah, I didn't feel the heat flash. Oh, but you forget there was the light. Yes, I remember the light, but but you know there was a uh, heat, or there was a sound. They couldn't do the sound. That was it. It was a sound. Yes, but sometimes they say they don't always make sounds. You're right. <laughs> that was a UFO. This was the writing he did. It was like, I'm going to explain away a technical flaw that I had in the film with some bad writing that has no, and nobody would care about. I don't think anybody watching that would have said, oh, yeah, they didn't make that sound when the UFO came by that time. But the actors... You know, we're saying lines that said that brought it out and said, "Yeah, by the way, did you not hear the sound there? Because it wasn't there, and there's a reason it wasn't there because not all UFOs make that sound." You know, he was a, he was an early James Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was. My line? Go ahead. I actually had to pull this up just to make sure I got it right. Okay. 
Um, it's from the Air Force captain and uh, Colonel Edwards. Yes. And it's I towards the end of the day. sir. Who? Oh, this is a training maneuver, sir. We only did a little practice firing at the clouds. The best and part then, of you know, Edwards completely no sells the notion by saying, <laughs> "Yeah, I wonder what they'll do next." That's right. That's a beautiful thing. He's like saying that before that he's trying to make it sound like, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be talking about this because it's not happening. And exactly. He said, "Hey, sir. Oh, we were just shooting at clouds. Nothing uh, going on here." Yes, but I wonder what they're after. Oh, God. That is, I love that bit. That's his, that's his wacko conspiracy theory right there. It's like, you know, he's trying to cover it up. But they're not doing a good job of it because even them themselves have to. I mean, and you have the meeting with the, the colonel and the general later when they have the Pictal Robiter. And he's like, do you know anything about these UFO things? Yes. You know they don't exist. But I've seen them. Okay, blah, 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 blah. And he gets, it's like, and it's like, it's insane. There's it's no human, there's no human being that talks like anybody in this film at all, including Vampire, who doesn't say a damn thing. Or the two guys, uh, the two grave robbers, or, or grave diggers, sorry, not robbers, in the beginning, it's like, spooky, do you hear that? Uh, noise, yeah. I don't like hearing noises when there shouldn't be none. Yeah, we better get going now. It's like, what? What was no, that, that dialogue? <laughs> now, what, what was the line um, the beginning where I, I wish I had this one in front of me? Um, the narration was like, it was his wife. It's like, An old wow. man's wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, looks like they're torn about by a bobcat. <laughs> um, so maybe it was a bobcat. Oh, one thing that I, I thought about uh, when watching this, and that is parts of it almost seemed like it was written for radio with yes. the narration. Yes. And I, I, I was just thinking to myself, was this so early on in film that no. they had to describe everything happening on? And then it's like 1959. No, that was not the case yeah. at all. Nope. I, I just you, chose to. In fact, you know, a prime example of that kind of writing, uh, it was in children's programming, uh, Hanna-Barbera's Super Friends. I don't know if you ever watched that. Um, the Super Friends? All meanwhile, of the meanwhile, at the League of Doom. Yeah, but forget that part, because that would sort of make sense. It's like, here's your transition. It's every person describes the actions they are doing. Yeah. It's as if it's a radio play, because it's like, I've got to get to that fader and fast. I'll have to pick this up and throw it. And he's like, he's saying exactly all the stuff he's doing. And it's like, we, I mean, I would love to dissect one of those episodes because all the dialogue is like a radio play. It's insane. It's really insane. <laughs> However, speaking of insanity, I guess it's time to rate this insane piece of work. I don't know what happened, but something's starting to stink awfully bad here. Another great line from this film. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I love the shops. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's rate, this. Let's rate this turkey. I've got a pre-wedding to go to. Hold on one second as I get everything. Okie dokie. 
what do you do with that knife? Arg. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, there's a, a famous recreation of a blooper where it's like where the sound effect fails on a radio show. It says, do you see this gun? I'm going to take this gun and shoot you. Click, click. Do you see this gun? I'm going to take this gun and really shoot you. Click, click. On second thought, I'm going to stab you with this knife. Bang. <laughs> so I don't know if it's real or not. It was the Kermit Schaefer's blooper thing where he recreated a lot of things, but that was one of the important goodies. You know, just for a little bit of background, you know, as far as myself and radio, I I grew up listening to old-time radio. The, you might re recall something called cassette tapes. Yes. And, like, cassette clubs, you, you know, you joined them, and it would send oh, you monthly tapes. 99 cents for 20. Something like that, except... Uh, you know, uh, this is broadcasting, so I can't explain my dealings with Columbia House. I don't think we've got limitations. But they would like to find me and uh, 20 other people with similar names. You know, there's a there's a great science fiction story that's called Do Not Fold, Spindle, or Mutilate. It's a super old very short story uh, science fiction thing. And it always reminds me of Columbia House because of the automated responses that they send everybody. But anyway, yes. Go ahead. Um, Josh. I, 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 hold on. Scores. I, I think I just, uh, 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 I, I, don't, I don't even know. I bought the complete Jack Benny set from one of, that is, Jack Benny's my all-time favorite everything. Uh, I have had every episode I could possibly find. But one of those CD um, things that they had on eBay. I I love Jack. I want to go to Waukegan next year, just so I can see the the Jack Benny statue. Going to Wisconsin to see a statue. And well, they got a lot I of weird statues in Wisconsin. Wisconsin still standing. They got the Fonzie statue. Where's the Ralph Cramden statue? The moon? Uh, the one, the Ralph Cramden statue. Ralph Cramden statue. I know Alice is on the moon, Josh. Ah, uh, I'm jealous going to Jack Benny's hundredth birthday party. Oh, that was such a great show. Uh, I, okay, I, I need to start a podcast about Jack Benny. That's what yeah, I need Jack Benny was awesome. You know what? The best thing about Jack Benny is once you got his character, some of his jokes were just the reactions to things, and that was enough. Like, when he went to TV, um, I just posted a thing asking about it. He did a bit where he was on Groucho Marx's Your Life. He was pretending not to be Jack Benny. And the question comes up is, like, the, the, the big money question was, blah, 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 he's always said he's 29, blah, blah, blah. How old is, for, you know, X number of dollars, how old is Jack Benny? And Jack Benny just kind of sits there and is like, because the whole thing with the joke with him is like he's so much in love with his money, but he's so vain he can never, you know, his true age. <laughs> and it's just him sitting there for like two minutes, just standing there, kind of, you know, doing the thing. And the audience is dying because 
we know the character that we know why that question is so funny to, to him and it's like uh, and i love this stuff and it's his his character it was his character like he, he created that persona and the jokes came from the character and it wasn't just you know oh here's here's a joke here's a punchline here's a joke here's a punchline it was all built on character and it's all, it was almost like the original sitcoms i think the radio programs were the original yeah. situation yeah. comedies because it was all based on the characters as opposed to here's jokes i mean were jokes but they were based on his character how about this one your money or your life exactly it's the exact same kind of thing that <laughs> well, i'm thinking <laughs> all right let's get to the score josh uh you want mine yes you're on the phone. okay story as i've said before this film uh this film story was shakespeare Experian in quality. I'm not really sure which work, but it had zombies and aliens and government cover-ups. It had, you know, wars and everything. This thing had it's everything. Fighters. Weapons that could destroy the universe potentially in the future. Um, so I gave it an Hold on to your hats, kids. I give it a six. <laughs> the acting. The acting. Well, I give these guys a lot of credit for saying at least one time all of their lines with a straight face. So that took a certain amount of skill. So I'm going to give it a three. The score and sound design. <laughs> you know, even in 1959 or maybe 58 would be the appropriate shooting time. But in the late 50s, uh, they had, what you call them, professionals that did this kind of job. Uh, I don't think they hired any of them. So I'm going to say that Given what they had, I'll I'll go with three. The production quality, the opening, <laughs> it's, it's, hmm. I'm sure someone will explain this a whole lot better in just a second. So I'm just going to give it a four. <laughs> I was going to explain why you give it a four. <laughs> uh, I'll just chime in at some point and say, "Yep, that's it." <laughs> But adding all of these together and really looking at how one can be entertained by less than stellar everything, the entertainment value uh, I gave a 10. I'm watching it again. Wow. This is so bad, it will never stop being played wow. in my life. <laughs> and it gets better on each viewing, or worse, whatever you want to put it as. This is this is the kind of movie where I want to get my friends, you know, my, my film friends to watch it and we can just, you know, kick back and laugh and laugh 
and just be entertained. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I yeah, I, my score is serious. That's cool. Now, Patricia right. A agrees with you because she says that was the best party that she ever threw. So there you go. And that's what it's about. All right. All right. So, uh, spoiler alert, you see my story. I gave it a three. I mean, come on, there was not no story. Acting, I gave a three. And I gave that just because Bella Lugosi was in it. Um, <laughs> you know, who I, you know, love. Uh, score slash sound design, that gets a three as well. Uh, production quality, the hubcaps notched it up to a three. And uh, overall entertainment value, I gave it a six because even with all those, no story, no acting, no score, no production quality, it, it was enjoyable in a lot of parts. So I gave it a 18. Okay. Uh, Jen, you are next. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make this so super easy. Ready? Uh, story, acting, score, and sound production, I gave a two. There you go. Uh, but overall entertainment value, I'm going to be on uh, a yeah, little more. It's two well. Yeah, that's two, two. That's not two, mm -hmm. two, just single two. Two, two. Uh, <laughs> but overall entertainment value, I give this movie a seven. Because honestly, I, I mean, it really is the worst. It, it's the best of the worst on so many levels. And like Josh says, I, you can watch this movie endlessly without ever getting totally bored. So there you go. All right. It's on you, Terry. All right. Then. We'll start with story. Um, nonsensical, weird, bizarre, um, in many ways, um, it, it's not good writing in any way, shape, or form. But I give it a four because at least it wanted to be something more than what it was. Acting, yeah, the only professional actor in that entire film was Lugosi, and he's silent and doing uh, his ham-handed best to look sad and smell a flower or walk from the grave a thousand times doing the exact same thing, which I think he was doing for a vampire film. And the other was for a different film, but they put them together performance for. Score and sound design. You know what? I still prefer this over Halloween 3. I'm sorry, I hated Halloween 3 score. But the score here, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it suited. It was the same beats over and over again. And the sound, hey, even the sound, their own whoosh sound of the uh, thing. I'm giving that a five because they tried to make those sounds, those creepy sounds, including Bela Lugosi's scream off his off, off-screen death. And the other people's screams, their off-screen deaths. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very well done. Production quality, right in the toilet. I mean, right from the cheap <laughs> cardboard tombstones to the miniature grave that caves in that you can almost see the fingers poking through the dirt to try to make the thing cave in. And when I'm talking fingers, you're probably seeing like giant fingers popping through this grave because the grave was probably only like about that big. Um, 
reuse of everything, including the, the drapes, especially the drapes <laughs> My favorite. in every scene. I mean, it was in her bedroom. It was in the plane. It was in the outdoor patio, which also was probably her room. It was on the spaceship. Oh, I mean, come on. They really knew how to use those drapes uh, for. Overall, entertainment value, I'm sorry, I love this film. I enjoy watching this film. Every time I watch it, I don't sit there and go, oh, oh my God, I gotta turn this off, or I gotta speed past this part. Every bit is enjoyable, I and mean, I think multiple viewings make it even better when you can anticipate those moments, or you can see those other little moments, like you know the other part, and you watch somebody in the background doing something even more ridiculous, or you watch something like a little tombstone in the background accidentally because somebody walked past it, or the drape behind the whole gravestone, kind of, or the fact that they take off at daytime and land at night, as, as pointed out, out earlier um my for sure and yeah day for night shots that suddenly don't make any sense the fat guy that saves uh saves one i said i didn't realize in the 1950s people were that obese even then i mean that guy's pants were right up to his neck and his butt was there too and it was like oh my god oh that's scary and i was terrified it's a 10. i love this film i just enjoy watching this film as bad as it is and everything like i said fours and threes it's still a fun film so there you go that's what is it for the overall entertainment value yeah. 10 10 i'd get an 11 if i was allowed to all right across the board high five for that 10 Woo! <laughs> It deserves it. It's a fun film. It is, it's what it is. It's like I said, it's earnest. It wants to entertain you. He's trying to entertain you. It. He doesn't have the skills to do a good story. He doesn't have the skills to do anything that's enlightening or, or thoughtful. He's trying to entertain you, and that's all that matters. You see, you're. I, I was entertained. All right, so let's do movie. The Oscar show of the horror films. <laughs> let's do the. Uh, yeah, he reused everything, including stock footage. That man loves stock footage. The uh, movies that make the meal. Uh, okay, so if you've watched this movie, my suggestion uh, to pair it with anything, it would be some white Wonder Bread. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's plain, it's caloric, but damn, it tastes so good. What the heck? No, I'm just kidding. Actually, uh, we made something called asteroid cookies, which are uh, a take on lemon cooler cookies. And you dip them in confectioner sugar and you add some chocolate, uh, little sprinkly things on the outside. And it makes it look like little asteroids. They were really fun to make. They're super light and airy. They're really super delicious. And the recipe is on Movies Make the Meal. But Wonder Bread is also a viable alternative. Just throwing that out there. It's like Wonder Bread, though. It's going to have something weird that's splashed on it. like uh... Have it with pickles. I'm trying to think. Wasabi and Wonder Bread. They don't go together at all. There's no reason for it, but there it is. Well, no, but then... Uh, 
it still tastes good. This thing I don't it know. It still tastes good. There's nothing that doesn't go with Wonder Bread, really. Just nothing. Yeah, well, no, that's the thing. I like Wonder the film. Bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it tastes good. You could dip it's Wonder it's Bread. Terrible, but it tastes good. A, a fifth of Jack, and it would taste delicious. <laughs> Soaked, <laughs> Jack soaked Wonder Bread. Yep, that's yeah. the movie said make the meal. I'm totally gonna. Film. Film. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> uh, you know, I had to eat it. It was for research. All right, so let's do this. I would um, play episode one. Banana splits as an entree. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately for Plan Nine Outer Space, it uh, make finished, the top two. It finished in the bottom two. With uh, 86 with okay. 43 percent cheese rating, better than Casino Royale. They did, they definitely do that. Good because Casino Royale was garbage. So that means Sorry. our final two, believe it or not, are Strange Brew and Dawn of the Dead. Good oh. lord, what? <laughs> There's what a pair! Wow, that's, so, that's quite an eclectic. Yeah. So in <laughs> two opposites in every way, shape, and form. So in two weeks, right here on Get Vocal, it will be, um, it will be uh, King Penvin, uh, repping uh, Strange Brew, in ca- in Canada. Are you <laughs> sure? Because I I'd rather do Dawn of the Dead. Are you sure? Absolutely. Of those two films, Dawn of the Dead is my favorite. If I'm going to fight for that for a film, that's the one I'm going to fight for. I mean, Joshua is going to be repping Strange Brew then. Okay, that's fine because I would have just thrown the match if I was given Dawn of the Dead. Oh, okay. Oh, that's even better. This is perfect. (laughs) Gloves are off. That's even better. So that means me and Jen, Let's go. Me and Jen, we will be we will be the judges, and maybe we'll get a third judge as well. Um, I will. Me and Jen will will go over the topics and stuff. As far I mean the categories, and then we will get it to you guys, so you guys will be prepared. Excellent. So, um, but uh, prepared. I don't do prepared. Yeah. Well, you know. So you're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to. Um, you know. You're, you have your title to try to to win, you know, to keep. So you're Don of the Dead, and he's Strange Brew. So he's going to be repping Canada, and you're going to be repping uh, Pittsburgh. Absolutely, and I will give Pittsburgh all the props it deserves. Right. So what do I need to do? All right. Oh, on on an completely unrelated note, um, you you guys have you have you gotten your birthday gifts yet? I. <laughs> oh no! Uh, uh, it, it might be in the mail still. Just, mm-hmm. just keep an eye out for that. No, but I, I could send you my <laughs> PayPal address. I mean, just totally out of just you know, in case you ever want it. So there, that's a thing. I did happen to have an influx of cash recently. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, an influx. <laughs> that's when that's a and you have an influx of cash. Oh. <laughs> so, awesome. so in, two, in two weeks, which is the what is that? That is the twelfth. Uh, I believe so. Yep, the twelfth. We'll have the big um, versus episode. Dukeroo between Bat. Oh no, that was last year with Batman and Westworld. Yeah, so that should be fun. 
so, uh, so uh, let's start off with you, Josh. How can we get you on social media? You can follow me at Skit Comic everywhere. Just doesn't anything. If 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 it has a thing you can sign up for, just Skit Comic. It's a household name. That's right. Um, what about you, Jan? How can people get you? Oh, they can find me on Twitter at following Bliss One, and of course my websites moviesmakethemeal.com and critical laughs with two L's.com. Laughs are very critical. They are super critical. Don't go there expecting not critical laughs. That's right. You can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram, and of course, IndieRadio.org. That's IndyRadio.org. Terry, how can we get you? You can uh, check out Professor Psycho's movie Madhouse.com to see some videos and, and garbage that I've done. And then Comedy Corner. No, with a K. No, that is not right. You need one K in comedy. It doesn't work in this case. No comedy there. However, you can also check out my Twitter feed at uh, the Unreal Professor Psycho. At Twitter. So uh, that, and I'm ready, and I'm willing, and I'm able to fight for Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Against my my nationality here, because you know what? We're in a time there's just too much nationalism, and we have to break those borders and look at the bigger picture of what is good. So what if it was Lawrence Arabia versus uh, <laughs> Strange Versus Brew. what? Versus anything. Strange Lawrence Arabia is awesome. Yeah, Strange Brew. It's one of my favorite movies of all time is Lawrence Arabia. There's very few films I would put against that and say that's a better film. Very few. On this score, we definitely agree. I love Lawrence Arabia. Me too. Great film. Yeah. All right. And speaking of scores, that's like a 10 right there. Bow. No, I'm gonna be like, oh, it was okay. Uh, story, story, story. Oh, you what? You like it? I don't. Oh, what are you gonna do next week? Oh, it was you, no, you know, oh, I don't like that. It it's no, not. It's not intentional. This is the way it's been going in the last few films. It was I'm no. It was no Halloween three. <laughs> I, you know, I'm. You know, I feel bad because you know we actually. Um, what was it? The you brought out. Um, Dead zone. Dead zone, and. I wanted to disqualify it because it was too good a film. So in a way, I wasn't against you. I thought it was just way too good a film to be part of the cheesy films. Yeah. Whereas Halloween 3, I just did not like. All I can say is nobody better pick Bridge on the River Kwai for one of their cheesies. <laughs> Why not? Sir Lawrence of Olivier play? No, wait, no. It was Sir Alec Guinness, yeah, my mistake. Guinness, yeah. No, it was Obi-Wan Kenobi. Or throwing in those American Kenobi. guys for no reason. Obi-Wan Kenobi as... as yeah, actually, that's the only thing about uh, Lawrence of Arabia I'll say is a downside is having the white 